Oh, thank you. It's Stan. I anticipated. I had, like I mentioned to you last week, I was going to have surgery this last Wednesday. I did have the surgery. It went well. And I anticipated sitting up here. And I'm in better shape than I thought, but I am wearing sweatpants. And so before you make a comment, yes, I know I'm wearing sweatpants. It kind of, um, it's kind of hard on my wife this week. She's trying to figure out how to get some other pants on me. I said, no, this is my chance. This is my chance. I can wear sweats. So anyway, here it is. So uh, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 here in a little bit. Um, but there's a, thanks for your prayers. I know that for myself or, or any of us who have had surgery or, or health issues, I know that I really feel, I've felt the prayers uh, this last week, and, um, and I'm thankful for that, uh, just as, as all of us are, that, that, if, uh, that have our bumps and bruises that, uh, that, that hopefully can be taken care of somewhat by medicine. But what I'm thankful for and I'm really thrilled about is we've got the great healer that, uh, that is on our side as well, that really provides that type of healing for us. And, and no matter what happens, you know, this ankle, uh, I understand the doc is really optimistic that... Uh, that things are going to turn out very well for me, in meaning that I'm going to have a stronger ankle for the next many years to come. But even if it doesn't work out that way, I know that if I, my body continues to break apart, what happens in the future? Everything gets restored in a way that it's going to be better than it ever was before. It gets worse before it gets better. Okay, I'll take your word for it for the time being, Kerry. <laughs> but, but sometimes but that's not all that bad, is it? If it gets worse before it gets better... The point is, if it gets better in the end, that's why we're here. And that's what this is all about, is realizing that someday we're going to be raised to be, um, be something different than we are now. And, uh, and that's everything that we have to put up with in the meantime as uh, things decay. It's worth it, worth every bit of it, to, to uh, receive the eternal life that God has, has promised for us. Hey, last week, we spent uh, some time talking about the community of the Holy Spirit from Acts chapter 2 and, and looked back from the Old Testament up uh, talking about how God's Spirit came on some people in the Old Testament and he transformed them and changed them. And the great, great news that happens in Acts chapter 2 is that God's Spirit is available to everybody who gives their life to Christ. And so when we make that decision to follow Christ, we uh, approach that covenant with faith, repentance, and baptism. God's Spirit comes into us and changes us and transforms us so that we can be changed into somebody different and we can leave that junk behind. process that we, we spend our life uh, working towards and, and allowing God's grace to, to continue to change us. But that's what happens. And so for us as a people, we looked at Acts chapter 2 where it just talked about what the community of the Holy Spirit looked like and how different it was from the religious leaders of the day and, and everybody else, is this community that, that was there that met at the temple sometimes, that met around Jerusalem, caused everybody around to think, wow, those people are amazing. The widows are taken care of. The, the orphans are taken care of. We see that people, no matter who they are, no matter what age they are, they come together. And the differences that we see, this group doesn't see because there's something different about them. And what that is, is the Spirit was working to transform this group of people, person by person, church by church, to look more to what God wants them to be. And so just a picture, uh, if we can say it this way, is what God's people, the community of the Spirit is supposed to be, is, is a, a picture, maybe a fuzzy picture sometimes, but a picture of what eternity is going to look like in that we're able to put down the, the, the junk of this world and become different. And so we're going to spend uh, the next 
next weeks talking about this community of the Holy Spirit. Uh, because that, that's, this is, I think it's so essential to who we are is understanding some of this. And hopefully transforms all of us to look more like Jesus. But the question here we're going to ask today is, what does this community of the Holy Spirit look like? What does it look like? So we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. And Galatians chapter 5 is a place that I've spent a whole lot of time in the last years. And there's, there's different passages that, um, that, that impact us at different points in our life. I guess we can say it that way. In Galatians chapter 5, I remember coming across this, and, and I remembered, um, I didn't learn the, the uh, song about the fruit of the Spirit until I was in college. I had not heard that until that point in time. And so I didn't know, that, I mean, the fruit of the Spirit wasn't something that I could, I could rattle off, uh, as many of you can, because you know the song. But I remember going through this and realizing, wait a minute, there's something, I guess there's a hole in my understanding, a hole in my life that this is filling up here. We're going to start in chapter 5, verse 13 of Galatians. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is filled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Do you remember when we were going through Mark this last year? Jesus mentions this. What's the the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. And what is the second? Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, and so this is repeated here. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because if we love our neighbor as ourself, all the rest of this law that the Jewish people served, as far as how to treat each other, it's going to be fulfilled if we love our neighbor as ourselves. Verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Okay, so here's, this is beautiful here, and it paints a picture that, that I think about a lot. And this, this concept helps guide my life uh, frequently here. Okay, there is two parts of us, and the choice that we have in every decision we make and every day that we wake up is, who am I going to follow and who is going to lead me? And he talks about the sinful nature or the flesh, and depends uh, the translation you're using, it's the same thing. And the idea is, is that not that the scripture teaches that, that flesh in itself is evil, but there's desires that come out of us that tend towards uh, following Evil desires. That's, that's the concept. That's the, the idea there. And so there is, uh, we're going to look at some of those here in just a minute, what, what that looks like. But the other side is the spirit. And so Paul paints a picture here of this battle and this tug of war that is going on between the side of us that is led by the spirit and the side of us, the old side of us that's led by the flesh. And the question is, who are we going to follow? Hey, can you, do you feel that tension in your life? Do you feel that side that tries to pull you sometimes? Uh, that, that there's a, boy, I know that God wants me to be this way, and I know this is what it means to be spirit-led, but there's a part of me that wants something different. And oftentimes we don't say that out loud, but if we're honest, we know that that side is in there, and it is, it's fighting for us. It's fighting for our life. And, and so as Christians, as people who are going to be a community of the spirit, okay, this is an easy question. Which one should we be following? The Spirit. Yeah. God's called us to live by the Spirit and, and follow the Spirit. Okay? So, 
Let's look at the next verses here. Verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, that doesn't sound like a very good list, does it? Nah, mm, no, pretty nasty stuff there. So the community of the Holy Spirit, we're going to spend some time this morning talking about what it is and not supposed to look like from these verses here. Okay, now there is a list that is given. Now, I didn't put everything on the list up here, partially because some of them um, I just didn't want to put in writing on the list up there. I don't know, I chickened out. I'm wearing sweats today. That's enough courage, isn't it? Okay, so... That's the, that, we'll go through these, and, and I'll explain them. And I think we'll find that they're much more familiar to us than, than we, care to, we care to admit. The first one that is mentioned there, if you look down that list in, in chapter 5, verse 19, is sexual immorality. Okay, the idea here, and, and this I spent quite a bit of time studying each of these concepts of these phrases or words individually, is unlawful sexual intercourse, okay? I know we've got a lot of different ages here, so I'm going to be delicate in how I walk through this. But God has designed us to, to live as one man, one woman for life, okay? That's what's supposed to happen. And so when we walk outside of that, there's all sorts of things that, uh, that, that take us down a road that is not what God planned for us. And it creates hurt for ourselves, it creates hurt for the people around us, and, and creates a lot of destruction, Okay? If you have questions, we can, you can always ask me later, and we'll talk more about this in, in another, another context. The next one there is impurity, okay? It's that, that side of us that instead of, of looking for things that are completely pure and above board and in the light, it's those things that we want to hide in the, in the corner, that we just don't really want to talk to anybody about, or, or there's some people that we definitely don't want to talk to these things about. But there are little, little dirty secrets that we keep over in the corner. You know, sometimes pornography is a, is a great example of that. If someone, if we have an addiction to that, our tendency is to not to share that with anybody else, but it's something that is hidden off to, to the side. And those things will kill us spiritually if they don't come out into the light and we, don't, we, don't, uh, we aren't on, honest and transparent with it. But these things are indicators that we're not living by the Spirit, but we're living by the sinful nature that is inside of us and following that instead. Okay, impurity. The next one is debauchery. Okay, I always ask this. How many of you know for real what debauchery means? See, that's, yeah, people typically don't raise their hand. What it means is lack of moral restraint. In other words, I'm going to do whatever I want to right now instead of what is right. And so you get that concept, is that I'm going to follow my, hey, this is fun, this looks fun, I'm going to run off and do this instead of, hmm, should I do this? And so we, we take off the, the moral restraint that we have and we just run with it. Okay, that's, that's disastrous when we follow that, that side of us. The other one, next one is idolatry. Okay, idolatry, we typically, when we think of idolatry as, as something with, with this society, for example, and I've living in, in Rome for the year and a half that I was there, there's all sorts of, uh, in, in the ancient Roman world, you go down to the, where the Roman Forum is, there's, there's these idols everywhere, or where idols used to sit. And the idea is people would go up and they would worship these different idols and they would offer sacrifices to them and they would they would uh, submit themselves to these idols for protection. Now, for us, you know, there's, you don't see it in our Western world very much. 
you see, yeah, you see some, some, you see some examples of it, but you, you don't see typically people bowing down before images. Okay, that does happen some, but that is um, there's we have other idols, don't we, that we bow down before. <laughs> You know, in our world, look at our economy and how you know, that tends to function. There's, idolatry is involved in our financial system and our financial perspective a lot. The more is better. The next thing, if I just get this next thing, I'm going to be happy. You know, I know people who live like that, and I felt that tension myself. Is, ooh, I need this, I need that, this stuff. And, and if you've ever walked down that road, and I think all of us have in our world, when you get the next thing, what happens? You're happy forever, right? You find happiness, and it's great. No, what happens is that breaks, or that gets old, something new comes out, and constantly chasing that next thing, and, and what, else, what else is there? And what that is, is that is a very sneaky backdoor uh, path to idolatry, because we're putting something else and trying to find our, our security and our contentment and our joy in something instead of the Creator who created us. That's a type of idolatry that we can fall into. Um, Witchcraft is the next one. As we talked about during our Wednesday night um, family Bible discussion time, there was, do you remember what the word, the Greek word for this is? Witchcraft? It's pharmakia. What does that sound like? Pharmacy. That's exactly right. And that is, uh, that's a, if, if someone ever tells you, well, the Bible doesn't say you can't use drugs. It does. It's just this part is lost in translation here. Because the idea is, is that the Romans were, were, were uh, huge opium users. Okay? And what they would do is they would take opium with the purpose of communing with the spirits and, and becoming one with the universe and all of that. Is that's, that's how it was used. And so this term, this term witchcraft and... Pharmakia or drug abuse is the same word because it was used in the same rituals or the same processes. Um, witchcraft also includes Ouija boards, that type of stuff that, that as Christians we, uh, we stay away from because there's evil forces that can work in that kind of stuff. And, and we work through prayer, which is much more powerful, uh, that connects us to, the, to the, the one true God. But there is, um, I had never seen, and I shared this with the Wednesday night class, I had never seen an example of, of this idea that you use uh, recreational drugs in order to commune with the spirits in our Western society. I'd never heard anybody talk that way. I'd never, never come across that. And until recently, uh, there's a, a magazine called Outside Magazine, okay? There's, it's a, you know, I got it for free somehow, I think. I don't remember how. Yeah, you get it for free. Yeah, somehow it, it ends up on our doorstep. And so it's, it's a magazine. There's some interesting articles in there, but it's a, articles that will talk about some kind of outdoor expedition or something like that and then talk about the $700 coat that you need kind of thing, whatever. But there was an article in there about a guy who was experimenting with recreational drugs for the specific purpose of trying to commune with the spirits and commune with the universe. And I've never seen that before in our world. I've never seen it in print anyway. And so just in the last months I saw that and I thought, well, wait a minute, there it is. That's not new. That's, that's been happening. That's, it's a return to some of that, that pagan idolatry concepts that are there. And so, yeah, yeah, and so there's, there's a lot of, that's, when we, when we go down that road, what we understand is that's not the spirit of God that is leading us. That's the fruit that comes out of us when the sinful nature is leading. Okay, witchcraft, hatred, 
wanting bad things to happen to somebody instead of good things to happen to them. Discord. There's a, any guitar players? You know, I have, I mess around a little bit. I can fake a few songs because the songs that I play all have the same chords. And so I can fake several of them. But Discord, if you take a guitar and you turn the keys and you try to play it, how does that sound? It's terrible. It's this sound that's there. And that's the idea is maybe all of us have been in situations before where people do not get along. And there's backbiting, there's all sorts of of behind-the-door discussions, all this kind of stuff, and there's just this nasty discord that is there, this passive-aggressive horridness that that is horrible to be a part of. Okay, The Jews were very good at that in Jesus' day. But you see, the community of the Holy Spirit wanted to leave all that stuff behind and be different. Jealousy, wanting something that somebody else has or is, Fits of rage. Now, Jesus demonstrated anger at times, and it's important to be angry about certain things when, when evil is done in this world or there's injustice. But it's different when we lose control. And you know what I'm talking about. Is There can be a time when we're angry about a situation, and it's a righteous anger, but when we lose control and we say things that we shouldn't and say things to hurt instead of heal, then we've... we've we are not being led by the Spirit. We're being led by the sinful nature in those situations. Uh, selfish ambition. Putting myself ahead of everybody else in what's good for this, what's going to happen right now. Looking out for number one. Um, dissensions and factions. The idea of party making. These, this little divisions that happen within churches, or they can happen within churches, but we see it in our world all the time. Envy, again, wanting or, or wanting uh, someone else to, to not have what they have. Drunkenness, uh, abuse of alcohol, orgies and the like. Now this term, there's a, when you hear the term orgy, we tend to interpret that a certain way. The, the way that people would have understood it in this day is a drinking party carried late into the night. What does that sound like in our world? Drinking party carried late into the night. That's our bar scene, isn't it? That's the Montana bar scene. And we have, in Montana, year in, year out, we are top three for alcoholism, for suicide rate, and for traffic fatalities. And all of those are connected. Alcohol is something, and that bar scene is so dangerous for us as a people because it is so destructive. It, it leads us down this road that, that is, uh, where the sinful nature is involved and not the spirit. And so you look down that list right there. I think all of us, if we're honest, have seen those qualities come out of us. And, and we have to, to fight them and, and try, to, try to wrestle with them. But you notice something else that, that Paul says here. He says, all of these lists, he goes through all of them, and he says, and the like. Okay, this is never designed to be an exhaustive list here. Uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, what Lance just read here a minute ago. And we won't go through all of it, but if you look at through Ephesians chapter 4 through 6, you see a whole lot of other things that are listed, that are things that are, are acts of sinful nature that, that demonstrate that God is not leading. Okay, Think about this. Um, in uh, verse 3, for example, but among you there must not even be a hint 
of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. Not even that somebody can look at you and think that something is going on that is, that is improper. If you look down at 4, it talks about obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, all that stuff. Those are things that aren't listed in um, Galatians chapter 5, but they're things that demonstrate that sinful nature just the same. And so understand that when we read this list of stuff that's, that's terrible there, what we understand is that that's not exhaustive, but he's just given us a picture of this is the type of things that come out of us when we're living by the sinful nature and not by the Spirit. And a warning, if we live like this, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's it. If we, as we have become the people of God and that we have the Spirit and we are called to change and transform because we have that spirit living in us, as Irv talked about during the Lord's Supper. And we deny that, and we continue to pursue the sinful nature. What happens is we, we're not going to go to be with God. We're going to be separated from God. So I think for all of us, it's important to take that very seriously. When we see these types of qualities, these, these acts of sinful nature in our life, is, is be transparent about them, confess them, get them out, so that we can heal and we can be transformed. Okay, let's look at a couple things here. Um, what following the flesh you know, does for us. Now, following the flesh, if we, we don't follow the Spirit, what it does is it brings out all this bad fruit. Okay? I remember very well, um, and I don't think I've told this story here yet, uh, but it's, this is, I remember, where I, this concept really sunk in. Um, I was living in Italy at the time, and my roommate and I had this little ground floor apartment that was less than 400 square feet, pretty small. And uh, we, uh, there was a courtyard outside, and there was a doorman that, um, that he, you know, he talked to these crazy American kids that were living there. And uh, he, he was a, f- a funny guy. He would tell us, okay, you don't do that here in Italy. You know, Libby, Montana was a little different than Rome, Italy proper, and so I had to learn to act a little different. But I remember going outside one day, and it was, it was in the spring, t- oh, it was in the, actually in the middle of summer. And I look up, and here is this big, beautiful orange tree. And it had these big, looked like juicy oranges hanging off. And I thought, oh, man, I can save on my grocery bill this month. And so I, I went over there, and I looked around, and there's nobody around. And I jumped up on this, this, uh, this big railing that was there and started picking them. And as soon as I got two or three, probably, and the doorman came around. And his name was Stefano. And he said, no. And he made this face. And uh, he said, you don't eat those. You can't eat those. I said, well, can I? He said, well, can if you want to, but you won't like it. I said, I, don't, I can save money here. I'm going to eat these. I don't care. It's just an orange. And so I take it down, and I go in my apartment. I remember I took a knife, and I cut that open, and that orange looked great. It was beautiful. It was juicy. It was wonderful. And I uh, took a slice, and I took a bite. And there's a few times in my life that I've eaten something that you know, it just somehow, what's going on in my head does not register with what just happened in my mouth, okay? We can say that. And it's like my whole mouth turned inside out, and I just got goosebumps all over because the bitterness was something that I had never, ever experienced before. And so I asked the doorman about it. I went out there and said, what on earth is that thing? He said, it's an ornamental orange tree. You don't eat it. I thought, okay, well, fine. I thought I knew better, and I was just going to do what I wanted because I was going to save a few bucks or whatever. But that fruit is what that tree was made to produce. 
because that's the type of tree it is. And so for us, who we are and who we are on the inside and the decisions we make, whether to be led by the sinful nature or to be led by the Spirit, what happens is it produces that type of fruit that comes out of us. Okay, So let's not ever think that I can have whatever goes on inside of me, whatever I think about, whatever I choose to do in the privacy of my own home, morally, whatever, that that is not going to produce fruit because it always does. Those of you that are gardeners know this much better than me, is that if you, you have good fertilizer, you can produce good rain, all that kind of stuff, you can produce good stuff, good fruit, can't you? Good apple trees. Uh, if we're putting trash in and, and we're having, living by the sinful nature, even in secret, maybe especially in secret, that fruit is going to come to roost at some point or another. There's no exceptions to that. And so that is for us uh, a pretty a pretty important call to, to be transparent, to decide I'm going to live by the Spirit when nobody else is looking, when nobody else is watching, no matter what the circumstances, because it will eventually bring out the bad fruit. Following the flesh, if you notice here in this list, let's go back to Galatians chapter 5, results in a lot of destroyed relationships, doesn't it? If you look at that list there of the access sinful nature again, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. You look at that stuff, Is if you walk through those one by one and you ask yourself, if I participate in this, is it going to make the relationships with people around me, is it going to build trust, is it going to make those relationships better, or is it going to destroy them? And what we'll find from every one of this list right here, they will eventually destroy us and, and all the relationships around us. I know that when I was, um, uh, one of the things that I did when I was in Great Falls, that I taught a class on uh, spirituality and recovery at the Gateway Treatment Center. And I remember uh, I would spend a lot of time with this, this difference, being led by the spirit or being led by the sinful nature. And, and we'd talk a lot about what that looked like uh, when we were led by the sinful nature. And I don't know how many times I heard the, the discussion from somebody who would stick around afterwards and come up to me and say, man, Chris, I don't know you from Adam, or I don't know who you are at all, but I know that I have pursued that sinful nature stuff, whatever you're talking about, and uh, I've just seen destruction in my life. Um, I can't keep a family together, I can't, and, and just the list would go on and on and on because of that destruction and hurt. And my heart would just hurt because you can't go back on that stuff. Now, you can't heal up everything. And so for us, you know, when we decide that we're, or we become lazy and we're not living by the Spirit, understand that we're not just affecting myself, but I'm affecting everybody around because there's going to be destruction that comes there too. And following the flesh also prohibits uh, unity of the Spirit. And God has called us, and that's what you see if you go way back to Genesis, the very nature of God. Genesis 1.26, God says, Let us create man in our image. It's part of the very nature of God is that God exists in community. And so it's no surprise that when Jesus' kingdom comes, he tells them, the world will know you by your love. 
He tells, the, in, in the book of John, right before he goes to the cross, he tells the disciples, in my kingdom, the world's going to know you by how you love each other. That's going to be different than everybody else that you're around. And so as this community of the Spirit is born and starts moving out of Jerusalem, this is one of the great foundational concepts or foundational teachings, is that if we live by the Spirit, we're able to do things and, and be unified in a way that is totally different than the rest of the world. Now, there's a difference between unity and uniformity, okay? Uniformity is everybody thinks the same, looks the same, is the same, okay? That never happened in God's church. Unity is something that is different. It's where you have people that come from a Jewish background. It's where you have people come from a Gentile background. You have widows. You have orphans. You have families. You have people that have come to God's kingdom very late in life. You have people that have grown up in God's kingdom. You have different age groups. And all of them come together and say, we, where the world sees differences and where the world sees things that should divide us, we see unity. Because we have the Spirit of God, and He allows us to overcome all of that kind of thing and realize that as we live together in community, then we can be totally different because God's Spirit transforms us and and makes us that way. Boy, that's different, isn't it? That's different than the rest of the world. And so when when we, uh, thinking about this, following the flesh, let's walk through a few things. For us as individuals, uh, it's important for every one of us to decide, I am going to make that decision day in, day out, to live by the Spirit. And and we'll talk about that next week. That's where we're going to spend our time in. Is what does it look like when I live by the Spirit? What types of qualities come out of my life and are produced when I'm living by the Spirit? But um, as individuals, that's very important that all of us make that decision. I'm going to be God's person. I'm going to live by God's Spirit. And that's, that's, I'm not going to have it any other way. And I'm going to be very careful watching these acts of the sinful nature and not let them rule in my life. As individuals... And as families, I believe that's important for us as families to have those discussions. We're going to be people that live by the Spirit. Uh, whatever your family makeup looks like, have that discussion. We're going to be people who live by the Spirit. Let's look, talk about what the fruit of the Spirit means, and, and let's work on that. And it's work, okay? I don't know how many discussions I have with guys. Uh, it comes out in our life group sometimes. It comes out in different places. And I, I hear Christian guys talking about, I want to be more patient with my children. Okay. Man, if you can't relate to that, then please talk to me because I want to understand, you know, what have you figured out? You know? But that's part of, of me wrestling to become more what God wants me to be and demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit instead of the harshness of the sinful nature. Okay? That's something for all of us. Um, And that's just one example. But as families, we can decide that. And as a church, we can decide this, is that instead of being a group that is is bound by tradition or that is bound by by hurts or something like that, we're going to be people that live by the Spirit. And we're going to, all of this divisiveness that happens, uh, that, that creeps in from time to time with individuals or with groups, we are going to handle differences the way God wants us to, and we're going to be led by the Spirit in everything we do. Boy, in the year that I've been here, I've seen a whole lot of that. You know, amazing uh, Spirit-led people, oaks of righteousness that I see in you. Um, and so for all of us, this is the decision that, again, we make every day when we get up. Not just on Sunday, but every day that we get up. Saying, I will not be led by this sinful nature. I want to be led by the Spirit. And we'll talk about this next week. When we're led by the Spirit, what happens is when we make that decision as individuals, 
it starts to rub off on the people around us and it goes, and that's where God's kingdom continues to grow and stretch. And you see that. I know that when Everett Hufford was here a few weeks ago, he talked about this. As you see, as the kingdom of God expands in the book of Acts, what you see always is that God's spirit is working. God's spirit is transforming people to look more like him. And when we do that, God continues to call people into his kingdom and, and his kingdom expands. Boy, but what it takes is every one of us saying, I will not live by that sinful nature anymore. I'm going to put it to death. I'm going to leave it behind. And I'm going to live differently. And I'm going to live by the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to demonstrate those type of fruit coming out of our lives. And we do that every day. God's got big plans for us, day in, day out. And we find a life that is, again, we just maybe just a fuzzy picture sometimes, but we become a part of the community of the Spirit. And we start understanding what God's talking about what this eternity is going to look like. We start to experience just little tastes of it, and we're able to share that with other people, and more and more people come into his kingdom. If you'd like to become a Christian today, or you'd like prayers of the church, you're welcome to come forward. We'll stand and sing together. There's also people in the back that are uh, there, ready and available, and waiting to pray with you if you'd like prayers today. Let's sing together. We shall assemble on the mountain. We shall assemble at the throne. With humble hearts into His presence. We bring an offering of song. Glory and honor and dominion. Unto the Lamb, unto the King. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. We sing the song of the redeemed.